Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It is a special edition of Orange and Backcheck. We're stepping away from hockey and being joined by Operation Tattooing Freedom's Outreach Director, Matt Davies. This is the Orange and Backcheck Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. This is a special bonus episode of Orange and Backcheck. We are so glad you are joining us today. Joining us right now is Outreach Director for Operation Tattooing Freedom and former member of the Navy veteran, Matt Davies. Matt, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today? Great. Uh, you, as, as, we just, as I just said, you're part of uh, one of the coolest nonprofits I think I've seen. And it's a big reason uh, that we're having you on because not only have you helped us out in a couple of guests in the past, but I mean, your operation here, no pun intended, Operation Tattooing Freedom is literally... I think it's saving lives because, as it said, it's 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 trying to help former servicemen and women battle what a lot of them do. And I think it's not really talked about a lot in PTSD and uh, uh, anxiety and depression and all these other mental disorders that our servicemen and women suffer through. And you do it through tattooing. So what what drew you to joining something like uh, Tattooing Freedom, Operation Tattooing Freedom? Um, so I fear I, when I got out of the service, you know, um, as Scott can probably tell you when we were together as in high school, I was always a happy person. I always tried to, you know, make the most out of a a bad situation and try to turn it positive. And one day you just wake up and you're like, you know, screw this, screw that F this F that. And you're like, that's not me. Why am I doing this? And then it builds into other things, other, you know, thoughts in your head that just kind of consume you. And you get to a point where you're like, why did the light switch in my head that now I'm not a happy person anymore. And then you think back on situations you were in. And uh, I use the word program because it's, it's kind of what happens when you go through boot camp and you go into the military is they mentally numb you from any kind of emotional reaction to traumatic events you're basically you're just going to react you're not going to sit there pause like you see in like in the movies they'll pause for a second that doesn't really happen you're just reacting you're just trying to stop whatever bad thing is happening from happening to you and to from your your colleagues well because you're numb to that when you get out 
that numbness wears off. It's kind of like if you go to the dentist office, you know it's going to suck, but they numb it. Well, when the numbing agent wears off, it still hurts. So now you're dealing with this hurt without any kind of coping mechanism. Mine came around Christmas time, 2019, um, around my son's birthday party. I, we had about 20 people at the house and I couldn't be around anybody. I kept hiding from everyone. And these are family and friends that I've known for years. And I just was like, I can't be around anybody. I can't be around anybody. And I got to a point that Christmas Eve of 2019, I was like, you know what? I, I just need to, to be done with life. Like, this is too much for me. I can't take it. And I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go downstairs, take every pill I have because I, I take medicine for everything. I'm like, I'm just going to take all of it. And that way I can be done with this. And I felt like I owed certain people an apology for what I was going to do. So I was leaving a note for my family, my wife and kids. Um, and I said goodbye to the people that I served with over social media. Um, and they reached out to me and they talked to me and they're like, don't do it. You're, you're being stupid. It's just, and I'm like, no, it's, it's bad. It's like you get left alone and the voices in your head and people joke, but the thoughts and the voices in your head get so loud telling you, you shouldn't be here anymore. You don't, you know, the world's not going to stop when you go. You're like, well, then why am I here? These people talk to me off of that ledge. And I was like, all right, well, I need to get help. I need to find a way to get help. So I started looking into, you know, different ways to get help. And one of the ways that they called it was tattoo therapy. And I looked into it and I'm like, okay, all right. So I looked into who does this? What does the, what is the cost? What is, you know, how do you go about the process? And I found Operation Tattooing Freedom on social media. And I was like, you know, all right, I'll look into it. And, you know, every artist is either Army, Navy, Marine, Coast Guard, Air Force. Um, we even have several um, EMTs, police officers and firefighters that are retired that are also tattoo artists. And I was like, let me give it a try. Worst case scenario, it sucks, but I got a tattoo out of it. Best case scenario is I find something that helps me cope with my problems before they become bigger than I can handle. And so I reached out to the foundation. And at the time it was like January of 2020. And coincidentally, the convention for Philadelphia, the tattoo convention was happening and they had a slot open. So I went, I met with my artist who was a Marine. He got blown up in, in the army by an IED. They medically discharged him. Then he joined the Marines because he wasn't done trying to serve his country and got blown up again. Oh and, the middle, <laughs> and the Department of Defense said, hey, bud, we're not going to go for three strikes on this. You, you know, you're good. And he became a tattoo artist. And he and I talked about, you know, the mental issues that come up, like the thoughts, the, you know, the wanting to physically hurt yourself to ease the pain by causing pain. And we did that for about five hours. And when I was done, I was like, holy crap, like I'm not the only one with this problem. Like, I feel like so many people are silent about the fact that they're like struggling with things 
when you find someone to talk to, it's almost like the weight of the world comes off your shoulders. And so right after that was when uh, COVID started. And when COVID started, obviously you're not going to get tattooed during COVID because the world shut down. Right. Well, not only did the world shut down for them, but the prices for the, the products that they use skyrocketed because they use medical supplies. They use gloves and antibacterial wipes, stuff like that. Well, when COVID happened, everything skyrocketed. And it's like, okay, you used to pay $10 for a case of a thousand gloves. Now you're paying $200 for that. So I went on social media using my Instagram account and I'm like, Hey, this artist is doing these paintings this month. They're raffling them off. And I did that for as many artists as I knew and could help, including all the OTF artists. Well, they took notice to it that I was doing this and it helped build their following up because people were like, Hey, I didn't even know that kind of thing existed. So when the world opened back up, they asked me to come on board and try and help as many people as possible. And that's what I I've been trying to do is trying to get the word out on how we're helping as many veterans and, you know, former, former anything really teaching them how this helps them and how this benefits them. Yeah. And and go ahead, Scott. Yeah. I was going to say, Matt, so explain exactly to everybody how the tattooing therapy helps people because it, it, it sounds like to me, you know, I, I never served in the military. Um, and I commend you. Thank you for being open about this because the PTSD issue is big. And it, I believe that not enough people talk about it or are as open about it as you are. How did tattooing therapy, how does it help in general and how did it help you specifically? So the way it works is it's not so much the actual tattoo that is helping people as it is you're building a relationship with someone that understands what you went through, how you're living and the problems you're having. So when you're doing a tattoo, if, if you're, and I don't know how vulgar we can get into this, but if your artist is a true dickhead, they're going to throw on headphones and they're not going to speak to you for however many hours. And I use that word seriously. They charge you by the hour. So you're there for hours getting stabbed. essentially yeah so we take it a step further as we're building a relationship so someone has an outlet to talk to someone when they have their problems and it builds into you get to the tattoo your adrenaline's rushing your endorphins are going because you're getting stabbed but you're also you're opening up at the same time because you're trying to make conversation so you're building this up, building this up, and then you start talking about it, and you're like, holy crap, I forgot about that. And that could have been the whole reason why I've been thinking like this. Hey, and you know what? Maybe you should talk to a counselor on this. If you want to confide in me, I'll listen to you. I tell people, if you got problems, talk to me about it. I'm not a tattoo artist. You'll get a stick figure from a Sharpie from me. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, you know, being there that long and being able to to build into those conversations, it it puts an ease on the person that has it to be able to talk about it. And that's really where and that's really where sorry to cut you off. And that's really where the therapy part of tattooing tattoo therapy comes comes in from. Like I'm in therapy. I've told Scott this of just just general therapy and just the fact that you're 
taking it a step further, as you said, and just looking for not just the bonding experience of a, of a, of a, someone to talk to, or someone that also serve with you, but you're doing something to your body. That's permanent. You obviously sacrificed your body as, as a serviceman yourself and your, the fellow people that you guys work with. But the fact that you're then taking it this step further for not just therapy, not just a bonding experience, but then also doing something permanent, like a tattoo, I think just makes it more, I don't want to say personal, but I guess for a lack of a better term, it is a, the more personal way to go. What Even though how personal it can be just as the therapy is or just the bonding of the tattoo artist when they are an, an engaged artist, like you said, without the headphones or anything like that. Right. So like I said, when you're doing the sessions, like it's not just, hey, you're going to go sit at this guy's office or this guy's shop and get it done. There is a buildup of conversation that leads to what you're doing. So, you know, the artist going into it, like through email, through phone call, through everything else. But then when you get to there, it's like you've built somewhat of a relationship that once this starts, it's going to come out a little more freely. And you're also going to remember like, oh, crap, I was there when, you know, like I'm the previous podcast I was on. I will tell you the scenario that happened to me. I was 18 years old. I was pulled out of my bunk on the ship. I was told to man the the aircraft elevator that brings the the fighter jets and the helicopters to the flight deck of an aircraft carrier and back down up. And uh, I was like, why are you pulling me out? It's middle of the day on night shift. Why are you pulling me out? They said, we can't explain it. I just need you to get there. There's too many people already involved. I'm like, so why are you getting me? Just do it. So I send the elevator up. And I just hear screaming and crying. And I'm like, that's not good. You don't send something up and hear crying and screaming and think it's good. One of the catapults that catches the fighter jets snapped in half, killed a bunch of people, sliced them all in half. Mm. It removed limbs from several, several people. All the bodies, all the injured people are all in this elevator and I open the door and I'm like, oh, my God, like this is like if you think horror movies are horrible, imagine seeing it actual. This isn't like packets of corn syrup with red dye in it. This is people are dying or are dead in front of you and you're 18 years old and you're like, oh, man, I'm not even old enough to drink. And this is what I'm going to deal with for the next however many years. And some people make it to 20 years. God bless them. Because dealing with that, it, seven months into being in a, into my career, I was like, uh, don't know about this one. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> I, I I have no words. That's 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 horrific. That's that's literally traumatizing. I, just listening to that is just traumatizing. Yeah, I think something that we don't really think about is when you hear people serving or in war as we're obviously Afghanistan is in the, in the news right now. And the, the disaster that's really happening over there at this point, like that's what you think about. You don't think about the accidents that happen that you just talked about, like the, the freak accidents on an aircraft carrier on a ship or whatever it may be. It's those little moments. It's those little moments that get not little moments, forgive me, but like just moments where, the public doesn't hear about 
you hear about the training exercise that went wrong, but you'd never hear about something like this. And it just rocks you to your, to your core. I'm sure. Like just as a civilian, like Scott. Yeah. So for, to go through that. And then, so when, when you do something like tattooing freedom, how invo- like is it a, a process of here's an artist and they have this design for you or are they just like what are you feeling how can i help you or do you like is it just free not freehand but just a moment of this is what my idea is and then the person's like well this is what i'm suffering and this is what i'm thinking and this is what i want to cope with that and something or is it just really just di- di- uh, discretion by discretion so how it, it how we work it is um, you fill out an application on our website. When you fill out the application, um, we have somebody that's vetting people's applications. They'll reach out to you. They want to verify you are a veteran. They want to verify you do have mental health because we're not just giving out these. We we do the tattoos entirely for free. We pay. I was going to say because you you raise money. You're a nonprofit or tattooing operation tattooing freedom is a nonprofit organization. I forgot to say that exactly. in the beginning. And you guys, so we cover everything for the veteran. Mm-hmm. You get the tattoo. It bases on their location. The only thing we will not do is we will not make an artist travel for you because we're, we're tattoos are not cheap unless you're going to go buy a kit off of Amazon and do it yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. So <laughs> to, to be somewhat fair to us, you know, I'll tell you, Hey, you know, if you're, we have a lot of people in the southeastern area. If you're interested in somebody that's in South Carolina, in Georgia, or Florida, I have a list of those people. You can go to one of them. Um, here's what their style of work is. You know, we're going to ask you what kind of design are you looking to get? Because depending on where you are, is depending on what we can uh, like provide you as far as style and design. Not everyone's like, yeah, you know, I can draw anything. Some people have a certain style they prefer to do. And some people have a certain style that they want to get done. So we say, okay, hey, you want to do this style? Okay, well, this artist is probably about an hour and a half, two hour drive for you. But the tattoo is free. The sessions are free. The, you know, everything is free for you. You just have to make the drive. Right. And then what we do from there is, Hey, you want to do that? Great. I put an email with myself, with the artist, and with the person. Hey, this person's past vetting. They like your your, pro, your portfolio. They want to do a design, and we let them start having a conversation. At a certain point, I will remove myself from the conversation because trying to deal with everyone and that applies for its problems is kind of difficult. Yeah. So. So we let the artist at a certain point, I'll say, hey, are you okay if I remove myself from the conversation? Um, If you need me to add myself back in, I will. I have no problem with it. When they tell me to, I take myself out of the conversation and then they build their relationship until they get to the point where they're like, okay, here's your session. It's booked for this day, this time. Just come in. We just tell them, hey, be well-fed and ready to talk. So this is over the course of weeks, months, even potentially yeah. a year. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't really give it a year. I'd say it's uh, a month to two months total. Okay. Is the build up. It just depends on a, the artist's schedule and their ability to get this design drawn up to the way the person wants it in their free time because they're doing this 
all in their free time. Matt, let me ask you something, you know, and just so our listeners know, you and I, we know each other personally. Our kids are very, very close. Our wives are very close. You know, we, yes. we do each other personally off, off of this, off of the, off the air here. You don't have to answer this, but I, I, I would like to ask you this just to, if you're willing to answer, that's fine. Going from where you were at Christmas of 2019 to where you're at today, how much has this helped you to get past some of the trauma that you lived through, like you just explained not too long ago? Has it helped in that sense where it's allowed you to discuss it more and get it out and make you feel better about it? Or is there more that meets the eye to just continue to just work through this and this is kind of what you do for this foundation as its outreach director is this your tattooing therapy so to speak um it's a little bit of both to be honest so because because of this i felt more comfortable talking to people about it because i feel like if you don't tell people i if you bottle up your problems eventually they're going to spill over and something's going to bad is going to happen well when the problem is you not wanting to be here anymore it makes it twice as bad when you're the only person that knows that is you um and so trying to help people it's not so much that it's it's a benefit for me is it's i'm trying to make sure people don't do something irrational over something as simple as you know i i i crossed crossed an i instead of dotting a t you know and that's what could trigger them um i had a a woman reach out to ots not that long ago she was in a whirlwind and she was like ready to be done with the world she has a newborn and a husband that just deployed and we reached out to her we're like hey look you know i said as a male i don't know what the problem could be. Do you want me or would you prefer to have someone else, a female? And she said, I don't care just somebody. I said, okay. And she started talking about her husband and I'm like, as a guy, I don't think I should answer this. I got our, one of our female artists. I said, Hey, I know this is early in the morning for you. And I apologize, but this woman is at the end of her rope. She's got a newborn and she's all alone. She just needs someone to talk to but she has to talk to someone about her problems with her husband. And I don't think I should be the one doing it. She has been like a thousand times better just because she was able to find someone to talk to for 20 minutes. That's amazing. That's amazing here at 20 minutes can make a difference in someone's life like that. It it really is when you, when you nail it down like that and someone's at the end of the rope, you know, and one thing I want to know is that, you know, the more that you tell these stories and the more and more people that are coming to you to take part in this foundation and participate in it, my question becomes, is, are, are we not doing enough? And I don't want to get political here, please. This is not a political uh, comment. Um, are we not doing enough as a country or as a people of recognizing some of these problems and and taking more action on it or is it a mixture of people just not ready to talk about some of the things that they experienced while they were in the service 
It's a mixture of both with as far as helping people and people wanting help. I think a lot of people, they don't grasp it right away what the problem is. And because they don't grasp it, they let it build into something that becomes out of control for them mentally. Um, and then when they figure out what it is, some people are, they feel it, it takes away their masculinity if they talk about these things. And then there's people that are like, well, all people are going to do is make fun of me or tell me to man up or you know, sack up and just deal with it when it's not that simple. You know, the, the Veterans Affairs Office, they will get you help. But the problem is, is how long it takes to get help. I found that I figured I had mental problems, mental health issues. And I want to say April of 2018. I did not get a full diagnosis or anything done until October of 2019. That's that's way too long. No, a year and a half. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, hmm. and it's insane. Not their, it's not their fault. They're understaffed and overworked. Correct. But, but still, but that's, problem, that's how many people in that meantime, you know, in that, 18 months, in that 18 months, how many people just couldn't take it anymore? And now are, you know, now you have, a, you know, families without husbands or wives or, you know, kids that don't have a parent growing up because you took that long just to answer a question. Oh, that see, that's that's what worries me. And that's why I think that what you're doing here with this foundation is fantastic because it gives people an outlet and a way to confront some of those things, you know, before you can, you know, going through like, you know, uh, going through professionals, you can still try to find ways to be able to, you know, deal with those those issues that, you know, you may not be fully aware of yet. And still, you know, before a a professional medical diagnosis, this is a great way for you to be able to understand if you are dealing with something, there are people here who want to help you. Yeah. Matt, on on a lighter note, I, when I was going through the Facebook page of operation tattooing freedom, the first thing that that popped up is you guys are doing a small campaign uh, trying to get to 10,000 followers on your Instagram account. Cause you're a growing operation. As you said, uh, yes. you're a growing operation and to figure the, figure everything out and re- getting an outreach. As you just said, the VA can only do so much. So these side operations like yourself, uh, I, I, we do things where in my normal job with the Travis Mannion foundation, the USO, these organizations need their help. So you're doing a side. a first off, how did you get the nickname captain America? <laughs> How did I get that? Um, actually, it's that um, when I got out, I'm a very patriotic person. If you didn't know, I just joined the military. Yeah. And when I went to work, <laughs> I had bought one of those really, really um, detailed cyclist shirts that looks like the Captain America setup. And I had a Captain America hoodie where the hood, when you pulled it over, was the mask. And people just kept calling me Captain America. And it kind of stuck. So nice. I just went with it. So in a di- because of that, you posted this video on their on your face, the Facebook account of Operation Tattooing Freedom for a goal of 10,000 followers on your Instagram page, the Operation Tattooing Freedom Instagram page. And you're going to do something pretty, pretty awesome. If, if you get to that point, what are you going to do and where are you going to get it are my questions that I have to know. OK, so if we get to 10,000 followers, 
I'm going to do a live stream of me getting the Operation Tattooing Freedom logo tattooed on me. Nice. Um, and, you know, I've had a, a couple companies that, you know, have helped support Operation Tattooing Freedom say, oh, you should do, a, you know, a face tattoo or you should do it on the center of your throat. And I'm like, you do realize I have a job I have to, I have to <laughs> right. go to. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I said to the artist, you know, if we get to this, I'll do it on my leg. I'll do it on my wrist or my arm or whatever. I said, but, you know, we got to get to it first. That's so why I posted it today. I made a joke of it. I'm like, you know, just over a week ago, Captain America did this. And since then, we've had an astounding 50 followers. We're only 3,500 away from what we need to get to. But I, I'm trying to, you know, as serious as mental health is, you kind of have to have something to, like, lighten the mood a little bit. Sure. You know, Um you know, a few years ago, people were doing the, the ALS challenge where they're dumping buckets of ice on their heads. And I was trying to find something similar to do for us. Just to, a, it, all you have to do is follow us. I'm not asking you to donate to us. I'm not asking you to, you know, contribute. It's, it's a simple, hey, I'm going to follow you on Instagram. I don't have to like a picture you post. I don't have to laugh at the fact that you you think you're a Marvel superhero, but it's that's the whole point is you want an organic growth. You don't want to just be like, Hey, I'm going to pay $2 and have 30,000 followers. You want these people to actually see what you're doing, actually interact with you a little bit, see what the artists do on besides operation tattooing freedom. Cause a lot of them have other things that they're doing on top of being a tattoo artist. Um, one of the guys that we have is uh, he'll be at the Philadelphia convention with us in a few weeks. He just got certified as a master diver to help veterans with PTSD and also quadriplegic veterans to go swimming and go diving with, you know, sea animals just because he wants to be able to help in as many ways as possible. That's incredible. That's awesome. So talk to me about some of the things you have uh, upcoming. Um, so um, I know that, you have a couple of conventions coming up, a big one coming up in September. Can you talk about how people can um, come see exactly what the foundation does in person? So it's, it's a unique situation this year. The Philadelphia Tattoo Convention this year is September 10th through 12th. We're going to have eight of our artists will be there. Um, several people will be there to help you know, pass out information. I'll be one of them there. And one of the uh, the craziest things, as we're about to hear, is this year is 20 years since 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. With that. That's crazy. That's crazy. Now, think about this. When 9-11 happened, how many people do you know since then joined the military? A lot. Like, within. Yeah. Well, all those people are about to retire, and all of them were over in Afghanistan and Iraq this whole time including just now with everything that just happened. So you don't think that they're going to come home and have problems. Right. Right. Especially trying to adjust to being a civilian where you're not working 18 to 20 hours a day, having this set structured lifestyle where you have to, you're reliant on yourself to do things that's not set for you. So what we're doing is on the 12th of September, because 
out of respect for what 9-11 is, we're not going to do something that day. It's just if you come and get tattooed, you do. But the 12th, what we're doing is all day long, it's donations only. If you get a, if you donate to OTF, we're going to have set designs out for you to get tattooed on you. They are military related. We're shooting to have it mostly be veterans because if you're not in the military, you're not going to get a military tattoo. Unless you're one of those guys that said they were going to punch a drill instructor out and you never went into the military, but you want to look <laughs> like you did. But um, all day long, it's whatever you can donate, and the donations are building up our ability to do more of these vet-to-vet tattoo sessions so that way we can have more throughout the year, and that way we can show people, hey, this is what we can really do to help people. Let me ask you this. From your position now, where you're at in your life, what you went through in the military. If someone were going into the military now, what advice would you give them and why? Um, it just depends on where they're going because different branches are going to give you different obstacles to, to deal with. If you're joining the Navy, you need to know what you're doing before you go in as far as your job because you, you know what your job is going to be but you don't know what your job is going to be doing. So my job, my crazy, my crazy self at 17 years old was told, Hey Matt, you have two options. You can, you know, be the paperwork guy that sits behind a desk all day or, or you could build bombs and rockets and missiles and blow up the Taliban. And I'm like, Hmm, <laughs> really? Uh, paperwork all day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what I didn't realize was, okay, so there's a physical standard for that job that I had to maintain. There is a mechanical standard that I had to maintain. And I'm also up for 12 to 18 hours a day. So in the six hours I have off, I have to be able to eat. I have to be able to work out and I have to be able to shower and sleep. Oh, and if I want to do anything to get myself promoted, that's in those six hours too. Wow. Oh my goodness. So it's that not as simple as just going up and say, Hey, I want to join the military or I want to join the Navy today. Right. And it's, I mean, so when I joined, I was like, okay, I just have to be able to run two miles. Right. Yeah. No, I have to run two miles in less than 12 minutes after doing a hundred pushups, a hundred sit-ups in less than two minutes. Mm. So oh it's, it's like, okay. You do your 100 push-ups, then you do your 100 sit-ups, then you got to go run two miles in less than 12 minutes. Well, that's that's one, two, three. That's no break. And you have to be able to do that at a moment's notice. Ooh, how difficult was that? Um, like, Because I, I figured that has to take a mental toll just in that aspect because that's a lot of pressure to put on some anybody, like any people who aren't naturally gifted athletes probably really struggle with that. And how, how did that, how did that affect, like, you know, how does that affect someone who, um, you know, in, in your situation, how did that affect you? So physically, I mean, it was, it was horrible because my job required me to lift heavy items for extended periods of time. So with that, you're putting bulk muscle on when you put bulk muscle on, it slows your rundown. You fail your run, you get kicked out of the military. So you have to find that very, very, very fine line of, hey, I can do 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, and I can run this. 
and it depending on what you're in you could be in your you know your regular workout gear which is just shorts and like a dry fit shirt but if they wanted to it's like hey you're gonna run in your combat boots you try running 12 minute or yeah 12 minute two mile run in combat boots it's not easy and it's what they require man that's insane so matt tell us how someone if someone out there you know is listening to this and realize that they want to talk to you how can they get in touch with you and how can they how can people start to get the help that they may not realize that they need okay so um Obviously, we have a Facebook, we have an Instagram, Operation Tattooing Freedom. Um, my email for the for the charity is Matt at Operation Tattooing Email me, and we can figure out what we need to do to get you help. Um, check out the website, see what the artists do, see what we do, see my my goofy ass get tattooed by you know. <laughs> All right, and one more question for you. Of course. What was your favorite part about being in the military? What was the your favorite experience? Whether it could be with anything. What was your overall favorite experience about being in the military? Because we, we don't want to end this thing on a negative note. This is actually a really positive and really good thing, even though despite that, you know, you know, you, you go talk to us about some of the things you've gone through. But despite all that, there had to be something really good that you really enjoyed about it. Um, what was it? Okay. So my first four years in the military. I lived in Japan. Wow. I went, I saw the world before I was 21. I went, I checked on board, you know, the elevator situation happened. But after that, I was in Hong Kong right around like March timeframe. And a Hong Kong flea market is like, you have no idea. Like it's all electronic gear that's gearing up to come out, but it's at a flea market. You know, I've seen Australia five times. You know, I've seen all different parts of the world. And I wasn't even, I, when I left Japan, I was 21 years old. And I had seen five continents, like 30 countries. Like I had been all over. That's awesome. I see. And not many people even outside the military will never get to experience something like that. Right. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I joined was I, I knew I was never going to be able to be like to travel and see the world. So, you know, so I'll lose a little sleep for, you know, eight years. But I've seen portions of the world that some people will only see in Google images. Kind of t- breathtaking, isn't it? Some of those places. It is. It, I, I mean, I laugh at people now because people make fun of me because I don't like the beach. I don't like the shore. Why? Because that water is brown. I've seen what the ocean looks like. The ocean, the ocean is a beautiful color blue. So when you go to Ocean City, when you go to Wildwood or Atlantic City, you know, and you see that water, it's like that's not the ocean. That's you know, that that's that that's whale piss coming up onto the sand. <laughs> you knew I was just in Wildwood, didn't you? That's that that you're taking a shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we had we had plans also, to go to Ocean City to check it out, but we, uh, yeah, weather permitting, it didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, we can all agree in this chat or in this in this you know, on this show, Atlantic City is a different kind of breed. We were in like Atlantic City Ocean is just yeah, 
Tony, <laughs> Wildwood is okay. Ocean City, and eh, you can live with it. Atlantic City, it's like it's like uh, we'll, we'll Chernobyl. Atlantic City is the Chernobyl of Vegas. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, um, listen, if you're going to the beach in Atlantic City, you're doing it wrong. Okay, listen, the, my last three <laughs> trips by Atlantic City have been funded by casinos. It's been great. So I don't even need to go near the water because I'm sucking up all the oxygen and pumping in those rooms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, we, we want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on the show with us. Uh, thank you for your service. Thank you for this, for or- helping get the word out on this important organization, Operation Tattooing Freedom. Uh, t- where are you this weekend? Uh, I know you have a convention coming up again. Plug that again and then coming up in September, remind our listeners where you're going to be. September 10th through the 12th at the Philadelphia Convention Center is where uh, Operation Tattooing Freedom will be. We'll be there all three days tattooing. Um, We'll have eight artists there along with other people to help give you guys as much information as possible. And if you want a tattoo, we definitely have somebody that can help everybody out. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. We'll cut, we'll definitely have you on again next time, uh, again sometime down the line. That was your great information. Uh, we thank you all so much for listening. This has been Orange and Backcheck, and we'll talk to you guys next time.